John chapter 5, beginning at verse number 2. If you do not have a Bible, the verses will be on the screen behind me. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk and of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Verse number 5, And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately, verse 9, And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. I'm going to title my message, Let Me Give You a Hand. Let Me Give You a Hand. Look at your neighbor before you're seated and say, Let Me Give You a Hand. And if you're going to help me preach by saying amen a few times, <laughs> you may be seated. Now, I'm going to edit this out of the message, but when Brother Gleason gets here, don't do that to him right away because, uh, you know, if he says ask for it a couple times, don't just get them all. Just, you know, get that first one and let him do his thing and then, you know. All right, I'll, I'll edit all of that out. Not because he listens, but just in case someone sends this to him. For 38 years, this nameless man has had his infirmity. 38 years. I used to think that was a long time. Then I passed up 38 years. Realized that's not as long as I thought it was. 38 years, 1,983 weeks. 13,879 days, 333,108 hours. I could go on and break it down into minutes and seconds because the Google on the internet machine that I've got at my house is an amazing thing. A couple clicks and I don't even have to do math. I don't have to know how to multiply I don't have to do any. I can just simply put in my numbers as long as I can hunt and peck and find a few of those numbers and then click hit. I can figure out all of those things. The point is simply this. This guy was here for a very long time. And to add insult to injury, John not only doesn't give us his name, but he uses the Greek indefinite pronoun, tis. Now, 
There's been a lot said about pronouns lately, and so do not go out and tell anyone that if that I am now preaching about what pronouns we are supposed to use and all of those things. No, this is not that message. I am not preaching that. As far as I'm concerned, I am still a he, him, not a these, a. But this man, according to John, was a tis. That translates to a certain one or someone or anyone. He was no one in particular. He did not really matter in the scope of things. And when I look at this, I find that this word was simply a translation that it was full of generic words like any man. This man could have been any man. It could have been any woman. It actually, I began to look because there is an entire list of words that can be used for this, for this pronoun. And it goes so generic that it basically, at the end, one of the last words that you can use is simply whatever. You do not even have to define it. You do not have to give anything to it. It is simply, when I don't have a word to explain how I'm feeling, I look at my wife and say, I'm just feeling kind of, you know, whatever. That there's no real shape to what I'm feeling or, or whenever, uh, you know, we're, we're hungry, Brother Jack, and we don't know where we want to go and eat. We, we say something like, where do you want? Oh, I don't know, whatever. And you don't realize that there are some things that you do not want until you begin to name those. Well, do you want a hamburger? Nope, then you don't want whatever. Don't save that message for Mother's Day. If I'm being honest, and I try to do that when I'm preaching, especially when I'm preaching, but the fact that John used such a generic word to describe that man, when I began to read, when I began to study, it, it, whenever I found that basically it could say that this man did not even matter enough to me that I would describe him or tell you his name. What matters and got me excited is that he mattered to Jesus. We can look at some things and we can look at some situations and may I tell you this much, they may not matter to you, but each and every person under the sound of my voice, each and every person in this world matters to Jesus. In this moment in time that we're reading, I'm simply watching Jesus do what Jesus does. Romans says, for there is no respect of persons with God. The New Living Translation says, for God does not show favor. Job said he doesn't care how great a person may be and he pays no more attention to the rich than to the poor. He made them all. It does not matter to God uh, whether you are on the good side or the bad side of the tracks if there is such a thing anymore. Uh, it does not matter if you've been to college or you're a high school dropout. It doesn't matter what your last name is or what your first name is. It may make a difference in this world, but in God's eyes, we are all created equal and He loves us the same. I need someone to understand that He loves you this morning. You don't have to get good enough. You don't have to come around the corner you don't have to do anything to get to the right side of the track God looks down and says I love you just like you are and if you're here this morning understand me no matter the need no matter the situation he says I love you like you are 
I love that in the New Living Translation. He doesn't care how great a person may be. Job says he made them all. Or what about Peter in Acts chapter 10 when he has his aha moment? If it was a cartoon, there would have been one of those little ding and then a light bulb would have showed up above his head. That's what I see every time that I read it in the King James Version. Uh, I love it because it says, then Peter opened his mouth. That's my favorite part of the scripture. Then Peter opened his mouth. He's always open in his mouth. And said, of a truth, I perceive. Ding. See what I'm talking about? Y'all getting this picture now? Now that's all you're going to see for the rest of the service. I got a light bulb up here. Bing. Yeah. I'm going to try to stay out of the spots. Oh, our spotlights are messed up, so that's okay. I was told that sometimes if you get in a certain spot, Pastor, there's a glow. And I was like, it's not the Holy Ghost. Because, Brother Jack, it changed from week to week because we had these lights up here and they were, they were set. On, I, it was Brother Darren that started at first. Where did he go? Uh, Brother Darren started at first. He was like, he's like, Pastor, when you got out to this corner, you look like one of the group from the Blue Man Crew. <laughs> Better stay on out, Brother Darren. I was like, you know what? I don't know if to take that as a compliment. And then I looked them up and I realized, no, I do not need to take them as a, that as a compliment. So the very next service, I went and I changed everything from, from any kind of color, and they are all now just, they are set on just clear light. So now it's just the Holy Ghost glow whenever I turn around. Peter has him one of those moments, and he says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. The New Living Translation, it says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In, in the English Standard Version, he says, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality in our text. Jesus is simply being Jesus. He's looking at the person and saying, I love them as much as I love my disciples. I'm not showing any partiality. I'm simply here because I love someone. And that's why I get excited because this man may have been one of the many to everybody else. But to Jesus, there was a need and he was going to meet that need. May I tell you something this morning? I have felt like one of the many, many times. But suddenly. I begin to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You want to know how to get his attention? Start worshiping him. Start blessing him. Start magnifying him. And then you go from one of the many to the one in the middle of the many. I got his attention and it showed up where I was. But on the other hand, I felt like one of the many and I didn't have the strength to worship. I didn't have the spiritual strength or physical strength to worship. And he found me where I was. How many times have you been in a place that you're, you're weary and you're alone and you're not expecting Jesus to come walking by and suddenly something happens and you feel the presence of the Almighty God as He just begins to manifest Himself and you realize just a moment ago I didn't have any kind of strength. I couldn't feel anything. All I could feel was the numbness of everything that's going on. I've been praying and I couldn't find God. I've been praying and I couldn't even 
It felt like my prayers were not going anywhere. They were falling flat. They didn't even make it to the ceiling to come back down. They were just anywhere around me. And I was weary. And then suddenly, when I'm not even looking for him, Jesus walks by. I love those moments whenever God shows up out of nowhere. May I tell you that there was nothing special in John's eyes about this man. We do not even know his name, but my Bible says, but when Jesus saw him. When Jesus saw him. Ladies and gentlemen, the scriptures I have read to you moments ago are still as true today as when they were penned in the first century. May I tell you that Jesus still cares about you and he has not changed. Hebrews 13 and 8 rings as true today as it, has, as it did the first time you heard it or when it was penned by Paul. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And if he cared about a man beside a pool. I want you to know that he cares about you in the middle of Arnold, Missouri, in Jefferson County, in the middle of the greatest country in the world. I want you to know that God sees you where you are and he cares and he wants to touch. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver. He wants to strengthen. He has not changed. The same Luke Road in chapter 5 and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them can I tell you that that same presence that was there to heal them is also here this morning to heal you the fact that the man had been at the pool for 38 years did not change the fact that God was able to heal I need someone to understand it doesn't matter how long the sickness it doesn't matter the diagnosis I serve a God that has all power in heaven and in earth and he's here this morning the same presence that was at the pool is at the house this morning if you need a healing if you need a miracle if you need a sign if you need a word his presence is present to heal The same God that healed then is the same God that heals now. The same God that delivered then is the same God that delivers now. The same God that touched then is the same God that touches now. He has not and will not change. But you know who does change? We do. Ever notice? And I know none of you do this. But have you ever noticed that some people in other churches, in other parts of the world, nowhere near us, that you do not even know who they are, but they pray different depending on whatever the diagnosis is that the person is that's coming to get prayed for? Headache? We'll speak the word of faith and cast out those headache demons. Demons out! No more migraines for you. And hear me, I've suffered from migraines. I understand. I've even had to, I've had to cancel services because I called Kim. I was on day three of a migraine, and she was like, you are not making sense. She was like, you need to call. Oh, I was in so much pain, so I'm not making light. But every once in a while, you know, it's like someone comes up with a headache. 
or something like that. And it's like the, the Benny Hinn magical jacket. I wish I would have come up with that, but I didn't. I looked it up last night, and someone titled this, this video on YouTube, The Benny Hinn Magical Jacket. You can look it up. It doesn't matter to me. But Benny Hinn is a televangelist, crusades. And I'm not saying it's real or it's fake. People have faith. That's all that matters. But this guy comes by with his suit jacket. <laughs> and he just starts whipping them. And then there are those that I guess they just got the wind of the jacket because he hadn't even got to them yet and they were already falling. I watched that, I watched that video like 10 times last night. But every once in a while, we get that kind of faith with things that don't make us emotional. We'll speak the word and we'll just claim it. You're healed, you're healed, you're healed. But you let someone come and they just got a diagnosis of cancer. All of a sudden that jacket goes away real quick. And we're looking for someone that has faith. Hey, would you come pray? It reminds me of a story of an evangelist that was telling, he was telling this story and he said that God had, he knew that God had given him the gift of healing and he had prayed for it as, as a young teenager and he was in the beginnings of his ministry and he was praying, God, I know what you've called me. I know the gifting. I want to I wanna use it. God, what do I have to do to use it? And he said, I was praying and I was fasting and finally the Lord spoke to me that in this service tonight, I'm going to use you in the gift of healing. He prayed and fasted all day long. He said he was ready for like a couple hours before service. He was there before the pastor. He was ready. And it was one of those services to where nothing happened. They sang the songs that they had sung a few nights before, and everyone went crazy, but nothing happened. Everyone sat there, and he's standing there, and he's looking around, and he's going, God, did I miss it? Things happen. Things keep moving, and nothing happens. And finally, he's preaching, and he preaches his guts out. And he said, if there's anybody that needs healing, I need you to step out. And nobody moved. I know that, that never happens here. <laughs> Keep my eyes closed. But this lady steps out into the aisle. The way he's telling the story, it's almost like there's a, like the people, there's this, <gasps> That she's stepping out because they know the need. And he said, he's just excited that someone stepped out. <laughs> she makes her way down to the altar. And he bends down and music's playing. He says, what can God heal you of tonight? And she said, the doctor gave me a report of cancer and it's terminal. I've only got a few weeks or so to live <laughs> as he's telling the story he said now in my mind as an evangelist I was thinking God could we have started with something a little smaller he said I wanted to step back and say are there any headaches or toothaches in the house <laughs> and he said so it was something like the Holy Ghost kind of prompted he said, so I just 
looked at her and said, God's going to heal you. And he said, I placed my hand on her head and I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse this cancer. I claim healing. Let it flow right now in your name. He said, that lady looked at him, turned around, went back to her seat and sat down. He said, I didn't feel a thing. The heavens didn't open. He goes, in fact, I stood there for a couple more seconds, turned around and gave it to the pastor. He dismissed and we all went home. I got in my car the next morning and he's driving down the road and the cell phone rings. (laughs) And it's the pastor. It's towards the afternoon now and it's the pastor. And he said, I look down and I'm like, oh, man. He knows. He goes, because I, I felt like a fraud. I, I felt like a failure. I, I thought I had missed what God, I, I, I thought I had messed everything up. I thought, I thought I had ruined it all because I didn't feel anything. He said, I, I, I answered the phone, hello, expecting that the pastor was going to call me out for the fraud that I felt like I was. And the pastor says, well, good, good afternoon, brother. He goes, I just thought I'd let you know what the doctor said today. And he's like, okay. He goes, she called me all excited because whenever they did the test this morning, they got it back this afternoon and she had cancer and was terminal. And the new diagnosis is there's no cancer in her body. I just thought I would let you know that God healed her completely. And then he looked at us and said, it wasn't about how I felt. It wasn't about what I saw. It was about the power of an almighty God that is able to heal. May I tell you this morning, it doesn't matter the size of the need. It doesn't matter what it is because it's not about me anyway. It's about a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I could ever ask or even think. May I tell you this morning that that same God is in this house. He's here to heal. He's here to deliver. And it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. All I know is that my God is able to heal. I don't have to pray for you. I don't have to lay my hands on you. There can be a moment where you encounter a loving God that just responds to where you are and he heals you. I want to let someone know that God is able and he wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to take care of whatever the need is. He wants to let you let go of the unforgiveness. He wants to help you with your pain. He wants to help you with your suffering. He wants to deliver you. He wants to forgive you. His presence is here and it's present to help. those moments uh, he looked around and this is what I, I wrote this down I have it in my notes it's in one of my little journals he said it was in that moment that the Holy Ghost spoke to me as I was driving down the car and he said he called me by name and said it's not about you you're not able to heal anyone So it's not about what you feel. It's about what I do. You obey the word. You obey my voice. And let me do the healing. You know what? That gives me hope. Because I'll admit, look, there are some times I'm praying and I feel it and I get excited. 
I just let God go. Just let it move. And then there are times that I, I'll, I'll just pray because I'm going through. But I, I even look around and the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. So even Jesus got a little bit emotional whenever he looked around and he saw all of the needs. So I'm not saying that it's bad that we have a little bit of emotion. But if it doesn't happen when and where you think it ought to happen, it's not up to you anyway. That ought to give you a little bit of faith to keep praying, to keep believing and saying, God, I'm going to worship you you anyway because it's your power it's your anointing it's your promise it's your word I still remember the little lady Kansas City I had one of those moments she came to me her mother actually came to me and said will you pray for my daughter you look like a preacher I don't know what a preacher looks like but apparently I looked like one And I just, I, I went to this little lady, and it's not like the Holy Ghost was prodding me. Mama was prodding me. So I went over, and she said, she's in so much pain that she can't even stand up. She had to sit down. She couldn't even make it to the altar. Will you pray for her? I laid my hand on her shoulder, and I said, is this okay? And she said, yes. I'm in so much pain. I just, I said, God, you know the source of the pain. We rebuke it. We claim your word by your stripes we are healed. I speak healing virtue to flow right now from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. And now, God, we thank you for it. And I turned around and walked away. A few moments later, I look around. And that young lady's down there on the altar. Got her hands all up. And her mom's just looking back, smiling at me. And I'm just like looking. I was like, I didn't feel anything. The heavens didn't open. There wasn't any, there were no lightning bolts and no thunder or anything. But I'll tell you what happens. Every time I see that little lady, she's not even from the church, but she comes in town and when she visits and I would see her, she would come to me and say, It was right here that you laid your hands on me. And before you even ask if you could pray, something started moving through my shoulder and moving down my spine. And she said, I felt it before you ever begin to heal. And I before you ever begin to pray. I need somebody to understand. It's not about you anyway. It's about the power and the presence of an almighty God. And if we're willing to get a hold of that, there ought to be somebody that says, I'm going to believe him for a healing. I'm going to believe him for a miracle. Because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Can I tell you that that moment in time in my life has made more of an impact probably on me than it has on her. Because it was in that moment that I felt, I said, God, I'm supposed to be ready instant, in season and out of season. doesn't matter what the, thing, what the, what the need is. I didn't feel it. Oh, it's not about what I felt. It's not about what I felt. Because my Bible says in Isaiah, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So I say again this morning, no matter the sickness, his power is present to heal. No matter the need, his power is present to heal. Because not only did he take the physical ailments, but he was bruised. He took the chastisement. 
chastisement. It was all upon him. And his power is here to heal. It's his power. He's the healer, not me. And may I just step out in faith because I believe it with everything that I have. If you have a need this morning and you are in this house, he is going to meet it before you leave. We are going to speak the word of faith for those that are not able to be here, that are, that are, that are sick in their bodies. I'm going to speak the word of faith and I believe that God is going to heal. He is going to touch Derek and Brittany Denny. He's going to touch their bodies. He's going to heal them. Why? Because it's not up to me. It's up to the word of God and his word will not return void. It cannot change. It's forever settled in heaven and Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, his power is present to him. It's here. It's here. But the title of my message, I just spent 20 pages or so telling you that it's not about you. But my title is, Let Me Give You a Hand. Huh. If it's not about me, then how am I going to give you a hand? Give me a minute. I'm getting there, I promise. Our text tells us, now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting. How many of you have been waiting? We're waiting. There's a song they used to sing. He's troubling. My God is troubling. He's troubling the waters. We're waiting. And the troubling or the moving of the water. Bethesda is an Aramaic word that can be translated as house of mercy or house of grace. They would bring the sick and the lame and the halt. They would bring them to the house of mercy and the house of grace. May I tell you that Bethel is a house of mercy. And we are a house of grace. And now for my message. All that other stuff was for free. You just had to wait till I got here. My message in a nutshell. The impotent man said, Sir, I have no man. Here it is. Are you ready? It's not enough to get them to the house if we don't help them to the water. We can get excited that we've got them in the house. But if we don't get them to the water. And I'm not talking about baptism only. If we don't help them get to the moving of His Spirit. Oh, I know, it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to take time out of your day. It may even, oh, heaven forbid, it would interrupt your worship experience. 
to help someone. But this is my favorite part of the song. Come tell me. I'll go to my wife and ask her, hey, do that part again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not always convenient to help someone through the water. But remember, I told you, the miracle isn't about you. But we can and do have a part to play. Case in point, Mark chapter 2, the man with palsy. And he again, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. Oh, I cannot wait for it to be noised abroad that he's in the house. I can't wait for the noise to go beyond these walls. I can't wait for it to be noised abroad that Bethel is a place of healing. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him. Everyone say they. Bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. And when they say they could not come nigh unto him for the press. They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Five times in two verses, they did something. They brought him. What would have happened if they would have simply said, well, we got you here. Hope everything works out. Or they were like, hey, let's at least get him to the roof. The dude's got palsy. Well, we got you to the roof. Good day. They went a little further and they said, let's tear off the roof. At least he can see Jesus. At least they, he can hear Jesus. Hey, buddy, I know you're weak. We've got you stranded on a roof and you can't. You ever seen a new a guest feel like they're stranded? They're all by themselves. Am I the only one that's ever seen that? They walk into an apostolic church and the Holy Ghost fire is just. And they're going. Where's the exit? <laughs> they see the signs, but they're like, I don't know if I can go out those with an alarm going off. But if that dude runs by me one more time, we're going to find out. What if they would have just looked down and said, be encouraged, at least you can hear him. I'll even help you see him a little bit. See, they had to go out of their way. They had to tear off the roof. And then they had to lower him into the presence of Jesus. They probably don't even know what Jesus was teaching and preaching about that day. They don't know what songs were played. They don't know what happened at the altar. But what they do know is that their friend with the palsy that was weak and, and could not walk on his own when they got him into the presence of Jesus. 
he was able to walk out on his own. May I tell you again, it doesn't matter if nobody knows your name. What matters is, I guarantee you the man that was in the presence of Jesus knew all four of those guys' names. And he could call them by name each and every day. And with every step he was saying, they got me healed. They got me in the presence of Jesus. They got my sins washed away. May I tell you that somebody's got to be willing to go beyond just getting them to the pool and say let me lend you a hand and get you in the presence of Jesus let me go out of my way and invite you to sit by me let me go out of my way and help you pray let me go out of my way and have a burden let me lend you a hand You know what you're doing when you're worshiping in the middle of song service, in the middle of the worship set? You know what you're doing? You're handing the guest a hand and you're letting them know, I'm going to create an atmosphere that you don't know how to create. I'm going to worship in a way that you don't know how to. Why? Because in that presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there's peace forevermore. In that presence, there's healing. There's healing. It's not just a moment that we take advantage and, oh, I like, this is my favorite song or this is that. I've got my own favorite songs. I'll send them to Kim. She has a list that she's waiting on getting to them. And I'm telling her, I was like, oh, can you get this song? She was like, we haven't practiced it yet. And I was like, okay, I understand. I've got my favorite songs too. But really what I'm doing, no matter the song, no matter the preacher, no matter what's going on, I'm saying, let me lend you a hand, brother. Let me lend you a hand, sister. I want to get you in to the water what am I doing when I say when we come to the altar and saying will you lend someone a hand that doesn't feel comfortable to come alone Maybe you were one of those that was so desperate it didn't matter who was in your way and you pushed them out of the way and you got to the altar But if you haven't noticed, not everyone is like that. Every once in a while, someone needs to know that you care enough not to say you need to be in the altar, but just to walk to them and say, is it all right if I pray with you? Are you okay? Do you have any questions? Let the Spirit lead you to someone and say, can I lend you a hand? Can I lend you a hand? Because they may not remember who you are. Can I tell you that little girl, that young lady, she doesn't know my name. You know how she points at me when she, when she finds me? She says, you're that preacher. She doesn't know my first name or my last name. She doesn't know anything else about me except for you're that preacher that when I was in pain prayed and something happened. Can I tell you, please, that there are so many people that are broken and hurting. And he said it, and it ripped my heart out. I have no man. While I'm coming, he said, he, it's, he, it's not that he didn't want it. 
the Bible says that the infirmity he had for 38 years, infirmity there is translated as weakness or frailty. He did not have the strength to get to the water. Then how did he get to the pool? Someone cared enough to get him to the pool. But not enough to wait around to get him to the water. It's going to take the work of the body. This is not one person's job. Someone may drop them off. And another part of the body meets them at the door. And then another part of the body meets them at their seat. And then another part of the body comes to them and says, can I lend you a hand? But what's really been happening is the one that was at the door, the one that dropped them off, the one that brought them to their seat, the one that sat beside all of them were saying, can I lend you a hand? This is a safe place. The Spirit's going to move. I I don't know when it's going to happen, but I promise you it's going to move. It's going to move because we're going to create an atmosphere. See, the Bible says that whether two or three are gathered together, oh, He's going to be in the midst of them, but we're going to go beyond just letting Him be in the midst of us. We're going to create an atmosphere that says He's going to inhabit the praises of His people. We're going to create an atmosphere so powerful and strong that no matter what's going on in your life, we are going to create an atmosphere that it's going to be okay. For 38 years this man was so weak it took four men to get him through the roof and no doubt they were exhausted by the end of the day can you imagine carrying someone that cannot help up a roof After they've carried him, however far they had to carry him from their house to the house where Jesus was. And then they can't get there and they're like, they could have so easily have given up. Well, we brought you this far. Looks like it's not your day to be healed. (laughs) But one of them, I believe that all of them said, no, we're not stopping here. Let's go to the roof. And maybe the the man with palsy was able to get out, but it's it's going to take effort. I'm not going to be able to help you. Can I tell you that when they come in these doors, they're not going to be able to help us? In fact, we're going to have to carry them. And it's going to be awkward, but if we can get them to the roof. One of them may have had to steady him while the other three tore the roof off. And then they all grabbed, oh, can I tell you that they may have been weary and weak, but I guarantee you whenever Jesus told him to arise, take up his bed and walk, that all four of those men rejoiced. Oh, can I tell you what's going to happen around here? It may take some of us getting to a place that we are uneasy or we're uncomfortable, but we're willing to say, if you'll you'll lead me, God, I want to lend someone a hand. There's someone that's broken. There's someone at the pool, and they're waiting on somebody to let them into the water. We 
We can't bring them here and then leave them on their own. Someone has to help them to the water. Brother Cameron, I have a picture. Will you, Kim, will you come to the music? In the red dress, this is my wife's cousin, and that's her sister that's laying her hands on her, praying for her. This is at North American Youth Congress in St. Louis, Missouri, a couple months ago. Her name is Lacey. Lacey has been through more in her life than probably all of us combined will ever go through. Surgery after surgery. And yet she always, Kim will read me something she posts or her grandma will send some messages and we'll hear, this is what happened to Lacey. This is what Lacey said. Constantly encouraging people. Kim read me a post last week. And that's where this message was born. Lacey's pastor had read from the same text, or at least referenced the text that we used this morning. And these are her words. She said, Can you imagine having nobody to take you physically or figuratively to the living water that is the church? As she listened to her pastor, she said, it was during that moment that I could imagine only a little bit. And I'm so thankful that it's not my story because he waited 38 years for Jesus to heal his broken body. What I think is important to remember is that even when you don't get your healing or miracle right away, you can't give up and quit. For almost nine years of my life, I had to be taken physically to the living water. It was my parents that first introduced me to it. I learned how to pray and leave everything at the altar at a, at a young age. Now, I'm able to take myself to the altar and pour out everything to God. I'm thankful for every church event that my parents took me and my sister to because each time I received just a drip of that living water. This picture is her most recent trip to North American Youth Congress. She said her dad took off work just so that she could be a part. And she got to enjoy the amazing conference. And this is the last paragraph that I'm going to read. Because it was this paragraph that I put down everything that I was doing. And I just sat in conviction. Lacey says, thank you to everyone who in some way has helped me get to the living pool. She said, I love this picture because they were in the handicap section and our group had to sit high up. But several from our group made their way from where they were sitting to pray with us. She says, you do not know how much it means to someone when you reach out to them to be there for them. I think it's so fitting that in this picture... The young man that has his hand on her head. We don't even see his face. 
the young lady that's there, we don't even see, we don't see her face. But they left where they were to go to where she was because they knew that she wouldn't be able to get to where they were. Can we stand? May I put it like this? Bethel, it may not be comfortable, but you are going to have to leave where you are and go to where they are if they are going to experience the living water. Someone has got to be burdened enough that service isn't about them. Oh, hear me. I said it already in this service. I need a word. I need a touch. I need strength. We sang the song, I need thee. We sang it. Oh, I need thee. We sang it. But when it comes down to it, Am I willing to put my need aside? And say to someone else, let me lend you a hand. Am I willing? Brother Cameron, will you put the other picture back up? Am I willing to be like Jesus? See, I've heard preachers preach about the excuses that this man makes to Jesus. But this is the only part about what he says that grabs me. But while I am coming, there are going to be people out there. They are trying their best, but they don't have a man or a woman to help them to the pool. They're out there and they're looking around. They've tried churches. They've tried religion. They've tried everything. They've tried meetings. They've tried Facebook. They've tried relationships. They've tried alcohol. They've tried drugs. They've tried everything. And they're saying, while I'm coming, I can't find any peace. Because there's no one that can get me to the living water that I keep hearing about. That's why I'm searching. I'm searching for something to fill this emptiness in my soul. It's not an excuse. But I don't have anybody that will give me a hand. Heads bowed and eyes closed, please. I sat at my table and I told Kim. Kim was just weeping as she's reading everything that Lacey wrote. I told her, I said, I'm so convicted right now.
Jesus, what would happen if I would put my needs aside and look to someone and say, can I lend you a hand? Because it's not about me. It's about him. And if I can get someone to him, here's what's going to happen. I guarantee you, if you will take your mind off of yourself and you will let someone else and say, can I lend you a hand when God is touching them? I promise you it has happened in my own life. Whenever God touches them, he's going to touch you and strength is going to flow. Power is going to flow. Miracles are going to flow. Why? Because he's no respecter of persons. doesn't show favoritism he's not partial he just simply says whosoever will let him come but we're over here saying oh the spirit and the bride say come and they're going I can't I don't have anybody to help me there's got to be someone that says take up your cross daily come on Oh, I know. Come on. Come on. Uh, it's okay. We'll take it slow. We don't have to jump right into the deep end of holiness yet. No. Just what you're feeling. That's the power and the presence of Almighty God. Oh, it's okay if you don't understand it yet. It's okay if you don't know. It's okay because what you're feeling, that's the love of God. And He's over here saying, come on, get a little bit closer. Let me lend you a hand. We weren't always at the same place. But I can help you. I can help you. See, I'm not, I'm not okay with just simply saying, let the spirit and bride say, come on over here. The water's fine. No, the body has got to get their hands dirty. And say, let me lend you a hand. But what about their sin? You can't do anything about their sin anyway. can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, I, I know well, what, what communion does light have with dark. Oh, Jesus, the woman that was caught in adultery, bent down and said, let me lend you a hand and begin to write in the dust. See, Jesus wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. Who are we? I want to say, let me lend you a hand. So here's what I want us to do for this altar call. I want us to come and find ourselves a place to pray. And I want us to say, God, make me aware. Make me aware. If you are in this house and you have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues I want to let you know it's very simple let me lend you a hand you repent that is asking him to forgive you with every intention of turning around and living a different life forgive me God you ask him and he will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in tongues it does not take a long time 
You can have the Holy Ghost in five seconds. We can baptize you in his precious name. We have robes and we have water. We can lend you a hand. But if you're in this house and you're saying, God, I have family members. I have friends. I have neighbors. I have co-workers. I want to lend them a hand. Will you come and find a place to pray? We're going to pray for a few moments. And then we're going to stand and together we're going to pray the word of, we're going to, we're going to speak the word of faith. And we're going to lend a hand from where we are. Come on, Bethel, find a place to pray.
somebody help.